Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my top 10 August-born actors in today's episode. We read the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. As we approach the halfway point of August, um, it's time. Time to do the August-born actors episode again. Uh, we did it back in 2017. That is a very, very different list now. Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five, five actors from 2017's list that have not uh, done well enough to stay on the list for a second time around. So, yeah, we are we are stuck with some we're stuck with a couple of them, but we get to introduce a few new names, and I think that should be exciting. Uh, unlike most lists, uh, these are. There aren't any, uh, you know, like background actors from the 30s <laughs> on this top 10. So that will be good. Uh, some of the names who did not make the list this time around, uh, but were on the list from 2017. Peter O'Toole uh, has fallen off. He was number two uh, in 2017. And at the time, I had seen him in 14 films, uh, seven films later, and he is uh, quite a ways down now. He's in the 30s, tw late, high 20s, low 30s at this point. Dustin Hoffman uh, t suffered an even steeper drop. He was third two years ago. Uh, back, I had seen 32 films from him then. I've seen 41 now and has not done well for him. Unfortunately, uh, Amy Adams misses the list. She was fairly close. Uh, she was in about 15th, I think. 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah, she ends up 15th, so she fell from 4th to 15th, going from 25 to 34 films of hers. Uh, Kristen Wiig is another one who fell. Uh, she fell from 6th to 17th, going from 31 to 40 films, so about 9 films. 7 to 9 films uh, is generally the number. If I don't you know, really go out of my way to watch an actor's filmography, it seems, at least for, for those that are still acting. Uh, and finally, Noble Willingham, uh, who was 10th two years ago, ends up 12th this time, uh, just slipping outside. I'd only see, I've only seen two films of his uh, in the two years since. So those are the five people who did not make the list this time around. Uh, the other five did, and we got five newcomers. So without any further ado... Let us jump in to August's top 10 actors. We start out with number 10, who was not on the list before. He is a British actor, born August 24th, 1934, passing August 13th, 2016, at the age of 81. I've got 14 film credits for him at this point. He has an average film rating of 64.57, no Oscar nominations or wins, a value of four, a score of 62.5, to be ranked 276th overall. And that is the indelible Kenny Baker. Uh, his name may not be the most popular, but his character, his his role. His primary role absolutely is, and that is as R2-D2. He was the guy who operated R2-D2 in the original trilogy, in the prequel trilogy, and again in The Force Awakens. Uh, we saw him in that. So that's seven. That's half of the movies I've seen him in right there. And I think, let's see. It's, I mean, it's a lot of Star Wars. It's it's a lot of Star Wars, and that's okay. You know, that's fine. Um, outside of Star Wars, because he has done other things, uh, he was in Amadeus, Oscar Best Picture winning movie Amadeus. He was in The Elephant Man, uh, Time Bandits, Willow, 24-Hour Party People, uh, 
among other films, uh, including what else do I have here? Um, he was uh, a voice role in Labyrinth. I think he was probably a puppeteer or something in Labyrinth. And then I also have him as a voice role in Star Wars colon The Clone Wars. So, you know, Star Wars it giveth and it taketh. Um, Kenny Baker, R2-D2 is such an iconic character. The beeps, uh, the the shape, the, the, the sassiness of this droid who, for all intents and purposes, doesn't really have um, emotions, can't speak like a person or, or a humanoid in the Star Wars universe. And so getting to see... You know, you're getting a character like that who has such a personality despite that limitation is is really special and uh, you know you can't really know whether or not you know see uh r2d2 would be as iconic uh, or as beloved if somebody else was operating him you know uh you know could somebody besides kenny baker have done justice for r2d2 could somebody besides you know peter mayhew uh or Anthony Daniels done justice for Chewbacca and C-3PO? And I got to think that that answer is yes. In some, you know, somewhere, somebody could have done this just as well. But that's not who we got. We got Kenny Baker. I think he did an exceptional job with every R2-D2 moment he was a part of. Uh, and, and even looking beyond that, Amadeus, Elephant Man, you know, these are some good, great movies. Time Bandits is, is its own wonky, enjoyable thing. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, he's not really a big role in these other movies, unfortunately, but he's in them. He's a part of them. He is, he is one of the cogs in the machine and that's all you need. Kenny Baker, uh, some of the films of his, I haven't seen. There are, you know, another almost 20, uh, according to Letterboxd. Most of them are Star Wars documentaries. Uh, but outside of those, you've got uh, Mona Lisa from 1986, uh, The Animated King and Die from 1999, 1960's Circus of Horrors, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame from 1982, and Sleeping Beauty from 1987. Man, is really low in the popular list, but there's so many Star Wars affiliated films. The Holiday Special, Star Wars, The Story of the Star Wars Trilogy, Empire of Dreams, I Am Your Father, The Making of Star Wars, Star Tours, uh, SPFX, The Empire Strikes Back, Classic Creatures, Return of the Jedi, The Story of Star Wars, The Making of the Empire Strikes Back, When Star Wars Ruled the World, uh, The Unauthorized Star Wars Story, so many things, so many things. And he, he I mean, he, he was etched into, you know, the the walls of this franchise and for that you know we i i'm very thankful i think he did an, an exquisite job an exquisite job so that is kenny baker uh number 10 in august number 276 overall number nine is someone who was on the list two years ago uh he is from Massachusetts. He was born August 18th, 1969. Still living. 27 film credits that I've seen. An average film rating of 59.89. Three Oscar nominations. A value of 7. A score of 62.76. To be ranked 265th overall. And that is Mr. Edward Norton. Uh, Edward Norton... Uh, Oscar nominee for Birdman. Birdman was one of those. Uh, American History X and Primal Fear. All, uh, in my opinion, great films in their own rights. He's also featured in The Grand Budapest Hotel, Fight Club, Isle of Dogs, Moonrise Kingdom, Amer uh, uh, The Sausage Party, 25th Hour, Red Dragon, The Illusionist, The Italian Job, Frida, etc., etc., He's got a big career. He's played some very iconic roles. And, you know, for, for better or worse, 
for better or worse. He is a big part of the film industry. I've heard plenty of things about Edward Norton and his conduct um, during filming. I've heard he's very difficult to work with, uh, particularly you know wanting to control the circumstances and, and people around him. Maybe. I don't know if that... I don't know how, how true that is, uh, but I do know that he's given us some fantastic performances and been a part of some fantastic films. He's also been a part of some less than fantastic films, including The Incredible Hulk, The Dictator, Alita, Battle Angel, The Bourne Legacy, uh, Collateral Beauty is pretty garbage. Um, Everyone Says I Love You is fine. The Invention of Lying is not good. Um, Leaves of Grass, Death to Smoochie. Plenty of plenty of less than stellar films in his resume as well. I've seen, according to Letterboxd, 62% of, of Edward Norton's filmography. Two years ago, he was ranked fifth overall, and I'd seen him in 21 films. Uh, now I've seen him in 27 films, and he is ninth, or fifth in August. Now he is ninth in August. So small drop here. I would expect him to go down if he goes moves any direction depending on the new stuff coming out between now and the next time I do one of these lists because the new the other films of his that I've seen outside of one I don't have a lot of uh do not have a lot of high expectations uh so the big one of his that I haven't seen yet is Kingdom of Heaven from 2005 which I have and I just haven't seen it yet uh that is Ridley Scott's Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom, Eva Green, Jeremy Irons, Brendan Gleeson, Liam Neeson, Michael Sheen, Martin Sokas. A lot of people. Big cast, Kingdom of Heaven. I haven't seen The Score from 2001. The Painted Veil from 2006. Keeping the Faith from 2000. Uh, After the Sunset, 2004. Stone from 2010. Salinger from 2013. Um about it yep it's about it uh edward norton is i I love personally i don't know i I like edward norton i think he's a really good actor i think he's proven himself time and time and time again at just how good he can be uh obviously you know the behind the camera stuff is a little disconcerting but i don't really have an idea a full picture of, of what's happening, I guess, is the best way to put that. Um, so I'm not sure how much to, to how much stock to put in that. And, you know, you never know. Uh, films of his that are coming out. Uh, he's got one more film coming out this year that's listed on IMDb, and that's Motherless Brooklyn. He is also the writer and director of it. Uh, he co-wrote the film. Or no, he wrote the screenplay based on the novel by Jonathan Lethem. It stars Edward Norton. It stars Bruce Willis, Willem Dafoe, Michael Kenneth Williams, Leslie Mann, Ethan Suplee, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, Alec Baldwin, Bobby Cannavale, Fisher Stevens, Cherry Jones, Joss Pius, Doris McCarthy, Deborah Unger. There's a lot of people in this movie. Um, I haven't heard any buzz about it. It releases in November. So I, you know, could be good. Who knows? Edward Norton. Number nine, born in August. Number 265 overall. Number eight uh, is a new addition to this top ten, to the August born top ten. Born in Nebraska, August 31st, 1928. Passing on November 18th, 2002, at the age of 74. With 11 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 67.18, one Oscar nomination, one Oscar win, a value of 6.5, a score of 63.35, to be ranked 244th, is James Coburn. James Coburn. Coburn? 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 Uh... Most notable, probably, for his roles in westerns. Uh, you know, he was in 
The Magnificent Seven. He was in The Magnificent Seven. Maverick is another one. Uh, his Oscar win came from his role in Affliction from 1997. Uh, he's a big... He worked with Peckinpah in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, which I have not seen. Uh, but the things, the reason why he's so high up, and I haven't seen a lot of his films, um, he was in Charade, Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn film Charade with Walter Matthau, James Coburn from 1963, which I love. He's also in The Great Escape, it was a big one. Uh, mentioned The Magnificent Seven. He's a voice role in Monsters Inc. Uh, he played the voice of Henry J. Waternoose III, um, which was fourth build on Letterboxd. He was in The Player as himself. Maverick, I like Maverick. He was in The Muppet Movie. He's in The Muppet Movie, Affliction, the Oscar nominee, nomination and win. Uh, and then he was in a couple other films. Nothing too awful, but less substandard, less than low uh, subpar films, in my opinion. Uh, Payback. The Nutty Professor, and finally, Snow Dogs. I remember watching Snow Dogs. I must have seen it four or five times when I was younger. I don't know why. I think the biggest thing I remember about Coburn from Snow Dogs is when he and Cuba Gooding Jr. are trapped in the cave with the rest of the dogs. There's this one dog who is really rowdy and, and won't can't be contained, can't be controlled, can't be told what to do. And... Uh, I, I don't know if I, this is like the second or third time this has come up in the movie, but somebody tells uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., who is not a sled dog person, they're racing sled dogs, and uh, somebody is, tells him for like, and Coburn tells him for like the third time of the movie, you just gotta bite him in the ear or something. And so Cuba Gooding Jr. bites him in the ear, and Coburn's like, you're not really supposed to do it. And like, that was just a saying or something to that effect. So. You know, hardly, hardly the reason um, he's he's so. Uh, Snow Dogs is not you know the movie that made him who he is. It was one of the last films he ever did. So uh, that being said, like I, like I mentioned, Coburn has appeared on the list for the first time. He was not there before. Very happy to have him become a part of this top 10 list. Some of the films of his I haven't seen, and, and a good reason of why I think there's a chance he'll not only stay, but improve next time around, is previously mentioned Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid from Sam Peckinpah, Duck You Sucker from 1971, Eraser from 1996, uh, Hudson Hawk from 1991, Cross of Iron from 77. He was in the Sister Act sequel, he was in Ride Lonesome, Hard Times, Young Guns 2, The Last of Sheila, question mark, Looker, The Americanization of Emily, Major Dundee, uh, and, and many others. Like Looking down the list here, a lot of films uh, to James Coburn's credit and a lot of stuff for me to get through. And I'm not fully aware of a bunch of these things. But I don't know. I get. I just. I don't know. I get the impression that there's some good stuff with James Coburn left. I really like James Coburn. I think, in the limited amount of films and roles I've seen him in, I think he brings a great physical presence to anything he does. You know, he's got a great face for for westerns, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in some more of those. Uh, definitely, definitely more westerns for James Coburn. So, number eight, born in August, number 244th overall, is James, James Coburn. Number seven, somebody who was on the list last, uh, last time we did this, two years ago, he was ranked number eighth, moving up one spot to number seventh. Uh, born, in the, born in the UK on August 9th, 1927, passing August 28th, 1978, at the age of 51, uh, with 12 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 66.33, one Oscar nomination that I've seen, uh, maybe only one overall, I'll double check that, uh, no wins, seven is his value, 63.86 is his score, and he is ranked 228th overall, and that is Robert Shaw, Robert Shaw perhaps most 
famous for his role in Jaws. Yes, uh, that is, eh, makes sense to me. He is one of the big three from Jaws. He plays Quint alongside Richard Dreyfuss as Matt Hooper and R- Roy Scheider as Police Chief Martin Brody. Um, Robert Shaw was only nominated for one Oscar, uh, unfortunately, because I think he's pretty damn good. Uh, he was nominated for his role in A Man for All Seasons, another great film of his. Um, he was also in The Sting. He was in The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Uh, he was in From Russia with Love, the Bond film. The Lavender Hill Mob with Alec Guinness. Robin and Marion. Libel. Uh, the Birthday Party. And the Battle of Britain, among some others. Uh, I know that since the last... Oh, man. T- it's been a, I saw a Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3 a long time ago, it feels like. At least five or six years I love that movie. Uh, I think it's I think it's a fantastic heist crime film. Uh, it's a light mood. You've got a great performance from not only Shaw but uh, Walter Matthau and Martin Balsam as well. It's really really fun time. The Sting, Best Picture winner, The Sting is such so much fun. I saw it when I was little. I still can't really get over just the, I don't know, it, I'm sure if I rewatched it, you know, right now, it wouldn't be as effective maybe as it was then, but when I watched it for the first time, I just went gaga for the 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 big reveal that happens at the end of the film, and uh, not to spoil it, so... I don't know. It, it had a huge, made a huge impression on me when I was a kid. And of course, of course, Jaws, right? Like Jaws is just—I mean, it's Jaws. It's Jaws. I don't know. He—he he was just so so iconic as the shark hunter. He—he he just he just makes he you know he he's one of the big three that makes that film work so well. And, you know, I don't know if anyone could have really played that role quite so well. So, uh, like I mentioned, I've only seen 12 films of his. He's got 40 credits on Letterboxd. Two years ago, I'd seen him in seven films. So we've added five films in the years since then. Uh, They've decidedly been bad, uh, as his average film rating back then was 80.14. It's dropped almost 14 full points with these five additional films. Some of the ones of his I still haven't seen include The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, Black Sunday, The Deep, Force 10 from Navarone, The Dam Busters, Battle of the Bulge, Figures in a Landscape, The Hireling, The Caretaker, and Young Winston, among a bunch of others. And it's always tough. Like I've heard of The Deep. I've heard of uh, Force 10 from Navarone. I've seen, you know, Sinbad, Golden Voyage of Sinbad and Black Sunday's posters before. I don't have a big um, idea. I don't have a great idea of of where I would think those films would land. But it's, um, I don't know. Robert Shaw is always exciting. And and I look forward to his roles. I think he, he brings a lot to these movies. So I'm into it. I'm good for it. So that's Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Number uh, seven, born in August now. And number 228 overall. Moving on to number six. Number six. Uh, This is someone who was not on the list two years ago. Just like Robert Shaw, she was born in the UK on August 11th, 1969. 10 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 68.6, no Oscar nominations, no wins, a value of 7.5, a score of 64.67 to be ranked 205th overall is Miss Ashley Jensen. Mm, Might be the, maybe the least well-known name uh, on this list to the average person. Uh, Ashley Jensen is a Scottish British, British actress, Scotland, 
the UK, uh, who hasn't been in a ton of movies. Uh, she has 26 total credits on Letterboxd, uh, so I've seen 40%. But what she has been in, and a lot of times she does voice roles, uh, have been very good, very good stuff, very good things. So her voice roles include How to Train Your Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Arthur Christmas, The Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, or The Pirates Band of Misfits. I don't know. The title, I feel like I've seen four or five different titles for that movie. Regardless, I think it's a lot of fun. She's in the Gnomeo and Juliet and Sherlock Gnomes movies, uh, so which aren't quite as good. Then, as far as live-action roles, she's got Tristram... Tristram Shandy, colon, a cock and bull story. Uh, the Lobster and Topsy Turvy uh, to, to match along with it. So, small amount of films, but definitely, uh, in my opinion, a very strong group of movies uh, that I, I think she's done a really good job in. Her roles uh, in most of these are very tiny. She... I don't know. I don't think most people would recognize her face for being an actor. Um, if you look at the roles she played in some of these uh, animated films, so in How to Train Your Dragon, she played the voice of Flemma the Fierce. And I don't know if she played the same voice in the third film. Yes, she did. She played Flemma in uh, the, hidden, the Hidden World, as it were. In Arthur Christmas... She plays the voice of Bryony, who seems to be somewhat of a main character, sixth build on Letterboxd. Uh, Nomeo and Juliet, she plays Nanette. Eh, you know. Um, in The Lobster, The Lobster, she is the role of Biscuit Woman. So, you know, not, not much star power in the roles that she gets, but... That aside, I think the 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 grouping of films she has are very very interesting. You know, you have these very kids centric uh, animated films, uh, Arthur Christmas and Romeo and Juliet and How to Train Dragon, and then you have these really bizarre British and and not American made movies like Topsy Turvy, uh, The Lobster, Tristram Shandy, and it, it's just an interesting combination to see in someone's filmography. Some of the films of hers that I haven't seen include Nativity! Exclamation point from 2009, The Legend of Barney Thompson from 2015, Small Time from 2014, All Stars from 2013, uh, not much else, uh, The Escape Artist from 2013, and then some, some junk some junk here at the bottom not a lot of movies not a lot of film credits so in that you know with that in mind i don't know how much room there really is for her to move uh in terms of her score looking up her imdb see if there's anything on the horizon for her in the movies she is doing the voice of jackie in a 2019 version of lady and the tramp no this is the CGI live-action remake. I don't know why it's given a 2019 date. She's doing the voice of Jackie for that. And then there's another movie coming out called Indian Summer, which I'm not familiar with any of the names attached to it. But it comes out eventually, and she's in it. So that's that's what we're that's what counts. Um, cool. So, Ashley Jensen, not much else to say. She is number six, born in August, number 205 overall. Number five, fifth person, fifth of the top ten this, this time around, was on the list two years ago and was, in fact, the highest-ranked August-born actor two years ago. But things have definitely changed. Born... In Massachusetts, August 12th, 1975, 
29 film credits to their name, an average film rating of 61.48, two Oscar nominations, one win, a value of 8.5, a score of 66.02, to be ranked 166th overall. Down four spots from two years ago is Casey Affleck. Caleb Casey McGuire Affleck hyphen Bolt, I guess, is his birth name, according to Letterboxd. Uh, better known as Casey Affleck, uh, Oscar winner for his role in Manchester by the Sea. He has also had a part in a bunch of high-profile and well-reviewed films like Goodwill Hunting, Interstellar, The Oceans franchise, The Assassination, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, A Ghost Story, Paranorman, Gone Baby Gone, Chasing Amy, uh, To Die For. The mockumentary, documentary, extravaganza thing with with Joaquin Phoenix called I'm Still Here, which uh, Casey Affleck also directed. Ain't Them Bodies Saints. Uh, Gary from 2002. Um, yeah, he's been in some stuff. He's been in quite a few things. He is in a movie I watched today from 2019 called Light of My Life that he also wrote and directed. So he's a jack of all trades. And putting aside the the not professional side of his life, I'm a big fan of his performances. I you know, he's only directed two movies and Light of My Life has some definitely has some issues in pacing and stuff, but I don't know. Maybe he could be an okay director. Uh but he was he won the Oscar for Manchester by the Sea. His other nomination came from the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. A huge long title, but a movie worth seeing. Uh, Casey Affleck, in my opinion, far better than his brother. I think in most opinions, he is far better than his brother. He drops four spots. Uh, two years ago, I'd seen him in 18 films, so I've seen 11 films with Casey Affleck in the last two years and that has dropped his average film rating from a 76 to a 61 so pretty pretty striking drop there um and he was 16th overall out of everybody two years ago he has dropped almost a hundred spots or no he's dropped over he's dropped 150 spots uh in the last two years and that is not great not great. A lot of bad movies. I've seen I've seen a lot of bad movies with Casey Affleck in the last couple of years, I guess. Uh, I don't know. You know, he Manchester by the Sea definitely the big thing for him. Uh, you know, he does such a good job of playing that really soft-spoken and and damaged soul. I I think he's great at being. You know, in in the assassination of Jesse James, I thought he does a exceptional job in that as um, as Robert Ford you know he is the coward he plays a coward so well and in Manchester by the Sea you know he takes a different approach to that he he's able to he's not quite cowardly but he is definitely um, reserved and and reluctant to uh, to face some of the things that happened in his character's past. Uh, then you've got a ghost story, which is altogether a very different movie, which you could barely, some could say, uh, doesn't really feature much acting at all. I would agree. But he's he's under the sheet. He is under the sheet. I, I like his, you know, his role in the Oceans movies. It's not a big role, but he's able to, you know, he, he fleshes out the team, and I, I really think he does a good job with that. Uh, he doesn't have a big role in, in Interstellar. Gone Baby Gone is one of his other leading roles. I thought, I think Gone Baby Gone is great. You know, he's, it's another crime detective drama that he's, I don't know, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember really enjoying it uh, quite a bit. Quite a bit. Uh, last year he was in Old Man and the Gun. And 
And that's it. I don't know. He's been in some bad stuff. So some of the <laughs> some of his bad things. The killer inside me. 200 cigarettes. The, uh, who was it? Um, what's his name? Ethan Hawke. The Ethan Hawke Hamlet. Triple Nine is bad. Tower Heist. Lonesome Jim. The Finest Hours I wasn't a fan of. So he's got he's got plenty of plenty of crap in his filmography as well. In looking ahead, I guess apparently uh, he's got three films in pre or post production, according to IMDb. The Friend, which has a 2019 tag on it, um, does not have a release date though. Uh, he's got a film called The World to Come and another called The Fence or called Just Fencer, both in pre-production. And I'm not familiar with either. I don't know, but he's attached to them. And I, I don't know, you know, I, with so many people being involved in this endless, uh, endlessly regurgitating debate about, you know, separating the art from the artist and... I think for me, the central element to that is ideally the person would not be able to continue to do the art. Ideally, you know, ideally we would not have an industry that would allow someone to who has done things, who has wronged others uh, to continue to do the thing that they love, uh, presumably that presuming that Casey Affleck loves acting and, and working in film. Uh, but that's not what we have. And so because we are still getting art from this guy and all and so many others who have had similar controversies and I believe, I don't know what degree, I haven't really looked into Casey's, I, I'm sure I did back when he was in, back when the Oscar race was going on, but I don't remember much of what I read, just that it was unsavory. And... I don't know, it, you know, because we're still getting the art, I can experience it in a sense and in a way that, you know, isn't tying his indiscretions to it. So, to that end, in that, you know, in that small respect, I'm glad he's still acting because he's pretty damn good at it and he might even be a good director, but in a better world, he would not have that opportunity, I I believe. So, uh, that said, number five, uh, born in August, number 166 overall, is Casey Affleck. Number four is another person who made the list two years ago. That time, she was ranked ninth, and so has jumped up five spots to number four, born in Illinois, August 20th, 1956, with 14 film credits to her name, an average film rating of 66.43, an Oscar nomination but no wins, a value of 8, a score of 66.13 to be ranked 163rd overall, is Joan Allen. Joan Allen, two years ago, I'd only seen nine films of hers, so we're five films later in her filmography. She was ninth then, she's jumped up to fourth now, and, I don't know, Joan Allen is not someone I really care about, is, is if that's the right way to, I don't know, I don't watch a movie for her, I don't expect to, you know, she's not a reason I watch something for any, at all, and that's about it. I, I don't have much more to say, I, I'm not a huge fan of Joan Allen. She's here because the movies she's in are fairly good, like Room, or Searching for Bobby Fischer, or The Bourne Ultimatum, Pleasantville, The Ice Storm, Face Off, Super, Bourne Supremacy. Uh, her Oscar nomination came from The Crucible, which was fine. Peggy Sue Got Married, The Notebook, uh, and then the bad films are Death Race, Hachi A Dog's Tale, and Josh and S.A.M. Sam. Um, you know, I mean, she's, she's been nominated three times, as it turns out. I haven't seen two of them. The other two come from the film Nixon and The Contender, 
So I will have to make sure I get to those at some point. Uh, those are two of the films I haven't seen. Others of those include Tucker, colon, The Man and His Dream, uh, A Good Marriage, The Upside of Anger, Mad Love, Yes, The Mists of Avalon, The Rape of Europa, In Country, Off the Map, Ethan Frome, Bonneville, George O'Keefe. I'm going to take a stab here. I Unless the contender and Nixon are exceptional, I think there's a really good chance that Oh, I guess I'll, I also missed Manhunter, 1986's uh, Michael Mann-directed Manhunter. So I think there's three films I'm really looking at, the two Oscar nominations and Manhunter, that I think are really likely to improve her status and improve her score. Everything else seems poised to, to plummet. So I'm going to say, here's my prediction, one more go-around for Joan Allen uh, to stay on this list. And after that, I think she's gonna she's gonna drop off for good. Looking at some of these posters, I can't imagine that the upside of anger is any good. It's got a three point one on Letterboxd. Three point one. That's a decent cast. Well, I don't know. Joan Allen. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't have strong feelings about her. But my weak feelings about her are kind of negative. I didn't really like her in the Bourne films. Um, I don't know. She was fine in like the Treadstone, Blackbriar side of things. She was fine, I guess. Anyway, number four, born in August, number 163 overall is Joan Allen. Number three is another newcomer to this list. She was born in Massachusetts, which is the third out of four people that have born, were born in Massachusetts in this top ten. On August 10th, 1978, seven film credits to her name, an average film rating of 76.29, no Oscar nominations or wins, a value of seven, a score of 66.33 to be ranked 155th overall is Allison Folland. 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 I don't know how it's pronounced. She was also in Goodwill Hunting with Casey Affleck. Uh, she's been in some pretty spectacular films, including Goodwill Hunting. You've also got The Fighter, Christian Bale, Mark Wahlberg. Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank. Uh, to Die For with Naomi Watts. Uh, I'm Not There, that Bob Dylan biopic featuring like everyone acting as Bob Dylan. And and then there's The Happening, uh, which isn't so good. It's uh, pretty awful. But the only movie I can remember, or that I, not that I can remember, but the only movie I've seen very recently that she's in is one I watched a couple of weeks ago called All Over Me from 1997. She is the lead <clears throat> in the film, she was nominated for an Indie Spirit Award for her role in All Over Me. <clears throat> and I thought she was fantastic in it. I thought the film was good, not great, but I really liked her. I think the film does a really good job of things, and I think I talked about it uh, in my top 10 July movies. So you can listen to a little bit more in-depth review of it there. Uh, seven films is not a lot, but compared to her filmography, it's more than half. She's other also been in The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2, Before and After from 1996, Things Behind the Sun from 2001, Zerophilia from 2005, Milwaukee, Minnesota from 2003, and a film that doesn't have a poster on Letterboxd, Pigeonholed from 1999. And that's it. She has no other film credits on Letterboxd. There are 13 total credits. I've seen seven of them. Uh, Alison Follin, uh, you know, I don't expect the Sister of the Traveling Traveling Pants to be good. Uh, I don't expect Zerophilia to be good. Or, I don't know. I don't expect most of these to be good. And despite the fact that she's third overall for August, uh, because of the few small number of films she's in, 
uh, one bad film could, on its own, knock her out of this this top ten list. So I don't have high hopes for her to stay here, but uh, she's there now, and uh, you know, enjoying it while she can. I like Allison Folland. I think Folland Folland. I think she she shows a lot of promise in All Over Me. I'm curious why she doesn't act more. She's kind of stopped. The most recent film she was in is The Fighter back in 2010. So it's been almost a decade since her last performance. At least according to Letterboxd, perhaps she is in television now. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So... Alison Folland, number three, born in August, number 155 overall. <clears throat> number two, the runner-up, who was also not on the list, uh, making sure of that, not on the list two years ago, born in Massachusetts, August 12th, 1935, passing March 12th, 1978, at the age of 42, with six film credits to his name, an average film rating of 79.5, no Oscar nominations or wins, a value of seven, a score of 66.63 to be ranked 146th overall, is John Cazale. John Cazale. If you're not familiar with John Cazale, uh, on the one hand, not really surprised. He's been in five actual films. The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2, Dog Day Afternoon, The Deer Hunter, and The Conversation. Uh, all of those uh, were nominated for Best Picture. Multiple have won Best Picture. And he... You know, he, he unfortunately passed away too soon. Uh, he did, you know, show... Uh, 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 he did he did a lot of theater, theater performances, and um, it's a shame. It's a real shame. Uh, you know, he barely got a chance, you know, which is odd, kind of ironic to say when every single movie he was in not only did he play a substantial supporting role in them but they were all nominated for best picture and that's pretty pretty damn incredible the sixth film credit that he has for me is a short film called the american way from 1962 uh, that he was in and so that's what gives him that sixth credit uh, he's technically given credit for his role. I knew it was you, colon, rediscovering John Cazale, which isn't really a role of his. It's just uh, archive footage, so it doesn't really count. Um, one thing, though, from that documentary that I think is really fun, and I forget who tells the story, but at one point he... Holy crap stupid computer at one point he starts dating this new woman uh she's also an actor and he tells i think he tells i think pacino is telling the story i think and kazale comes you know talking about her talking about her and he says um you know she's she says she's a great actor and uh she's says she's the greatest actor he's ever seen and John Cazale is pretty pretty damn good actor in his own right. And Pacino, if, if it was Pacino, whoever it was, kind of just like, it's like, okay, you know, sure, you know, he's in love. It's, you know, meets her and turns out that it's Meryl Streep. So, <laughs> um... I think, I love that story. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's it's fascinating you know John Cazale who man I I just I can't imagine the kind of career he could have had if if you know he hadn't been he hadn't had got had lung cancer but 
I don't know, just like the sort of him and and Meryl Streep and the legacy of those two people and and how similar but very very different they've they were and yeah yeah so now here's the thing uh he's got four other film credits on letterboxd including two that aren't released yet uh which are um still not showing me the other two and i don't know why curious um well it gives him credit for the godfather duology which doesn't count uh it gives him credit for a film called the godfather saga which is the duology again re-edited in chronological order with additional footage uh the godfather epic which um is i think the same thing and finally the godfather family a look inside which is a documentary uh, on the godfather that's probably the only one of those that has a chance of actually being giving giving credit to john cazale which in that like looking at it is kind of interesting so he's 146th overall he really doesn't have any other film credits, so he's kind of stuck where he is. He his only chances to move up or down are me rewatching one of his films and changing the score, which does not happen that often. Uh, I think the best chance he's got is probably the Deer Hunter to go up, um, because but even that, like it's got a 79. I think it's a pretty great film, but I saw it when I was kind of young, so it might not have hit me and impacted me all the way. And so I think there's a little bit of wiggle room, but not much. And uh, it sucks, kind of, because like I wish he had the opportunity to, you know, get all the way to the top, but he just does not have that opportunity. So, John Cazale, number two, born in August, number 146 overall. Which brings us to our number one. He was on the list two years ago in the position of number seven moving up six spots two years later and uh, four films later <clears throat> born in california august 14th 1968 with 15 film credits to his name an average film rating of 68.33 no oscar nominations or wins a value of 10 a score of 70.29 to be ranked 76th overall. There are 75 people right now higher ranked than every single person born in August. I guess it's relatively a weak month. It's got a lot of big names, uh, like just looking through the people who did not make the list, but uh, the, the cream of the crop in August just, uh, I don't know, it's not, not, I don't know, it leaves little to be desired, a little bit. Um, but this is Terry Notary. If you have listened to the this podcast in the past, uh, I've mentioned Terry Notary quite a bit. I, I talk about him a lot, mostly in conjunction with Andy Serkis, because the two of them, in my opinion, are the best motion capture actors alive. Uh, Terry Notary's roles and film roles include Avengers: Infinity War, Avengers: Endgame. Avatar, The Cabin in the Woods, The Hobbit, Unexpected Journey, and Desolation of Smog, The Rise of the Planet, uh, the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the new one, Kong Skull Island, uh, Attack the Block, Warcraft, and The Square, which is the only film where he's not in a costume or mask or something. He's also got film credit for The Incredible Hulk, where he plays like uh, a soldier. And then The Forgotten Ones, where he's just uh, just a creature. Just a creature. He is, you know, he's a movement coach. He's in a ton of, more, a ton of other films. He was part of the Lion King movement team uh, for the motion, uh, for, for, I don't know, for the movement of the creatures and lions. He works as a stunt coordinator and stunt double. You know, he's a big... He's won state championships in gymnastics. He's very, he has a great control over his body, uh, which is why he's so good in motion capture suits and, and does so well. 
with those elements. Um, he's been a performer in Cirque du Soleil, uh, and I don't know. He, he's done a lot, and and he's still going. Um, he isn't in a lot of films, though. He, he's coached and worked on a lot of sets, but he's not actually in a lot of movies. So, for example, animation reference performer for The Lion King. Uh, for Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, he was a movement choreographer. For Rampage, he was a movement choreographer. For Suicide Squad, he was a movement choreographer. The BFG, Fantastic Four, um, The Hobbit, Battle of Five Armies, Cabin in the Woods, movement coach, movement choreographer. Uh, Transformers, the previous Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer movie, Um, the movie Next with Nicolas Cage, he was a movement coach for Nicolas Cage, Superman Returns, The Village, Uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, X2, he's a movement coach and choreographer for all these movies, and the only ones he's actually in are like the Planet of the Apes movies where he does Rocket. Uh, in Kong Skull Island, he's motion capture for Kong. In, in the Avengers movies, he's motion capture, and he might even be the voice of Cull Obsidian, as well as the on-set Groot. He is Rocket in the Planet of the Apes movies. Maybe I said that. He's Goblin, just Goblin in the Hobbit, Hobbit movies. He's one of the clowns in Cabin in the Woods. In Avatar, he was Banshee. Banshee? Anybody? And uh, in Warcraft, he was Peon. Peon. So, uh, you know, I have a soft spot for Terry Notary. I really like him. If you really want to see him give show, show what he's really doing in real time, I would highly suggest watching The Square. He's only really in, like, one scene, but I love that scene. I think he's so great in it, and it really shows like the extent and length he's gone to fully embody, you know, these roles that he has chosen to take on in these motion core, motion capture performances and uh, more specifically at, at least the Planet of the Apes franchise where I think he's done some of his best work. Films of his I haven't seen, The Lost Tribe from 2009. And uh, the only other thing on here is The Beautiful Escape, which has no year and uh, it's three minutes long, and only eight people have seen it. So I don't know what it is. Those are the only two films. He's not in a lot of things. I think there's a short film on IMDb that they give him credit for. But for the most part, he's just... He's not in a lot of stuff, you know. End, Endgame was a big one because he was in that. He got credit for that. Um... <coughs> excuse me uh, Kong Skull Island being in that was was big but I just kind of look out for him and see where I can find him when I can War for the Planet of the Apes was another one uh, fairly recent uh, and like I said two years ago he was ranked 7th overall 11 films with an average rating of 74.91 he now has 15 films with an average rating of 68.33 so he's dropped a little bit but He's jumped up 60 spots overall and six spots for those born in August. That is the top 10. Let me run down those top 10 one more time for you. Kenny Baker, Edward Norton, James Coburn, Robert Shaw, Ashley Jensen, Casey Affleck, Joan Allen, Allison Folland, John Cazale, and Terry Notary. Those are the top 10 actors born in August in 2019 as of right now could change tomorrow probably won't thank you for listening to today's episode it does mean a lot uh if you would like to write into the show email circle of film at gmail.com you can get in touch with me for anything on twitter at circle of film or find me on letterboxd at circle of film support the show like it rate it review it subscribe it whatever you can wherever you are if you would like to become a patron you can go to patreon.com slash circle of film and subscribe for as little as eight cents an episode, which will give you early access to everything that I record uh, like a day in advance or more. Uh, often, a lot of the, uh, you know, it, it goes back and forth. 
Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes we'll go a week with episodes coming out way in advance. And sometimes, well, like this week, they aren't that early. And the other thing was check out the website, circlefilm.com, for all the episodes and other things. You can find all the historic previous top 10 lists for the month born actors as well as decade born actors. Uh, and and further statistics beyond that, you can find the Circle of Film Award nominations for 2019 all the way back to 2011 and the winners for the previous years. Thank you once again, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever